as we think about the fact that those that have already been promoted to glory and they've had their homecoming, if you will, or with the Lord, and, and those of us who know the Lord Jesus, our day's coming too where we'll go home to be with the Lord. So I trust this song will be a blessing to you. If I had only known the last time would be the last time, I would have put off all the things I had to do. I would have stayed a little longer, held on a little tighter. Now what I'd give for one more day with you. Cause there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing. And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time. But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased. And knowing yours are healed and healing mine. The only scars in heaven. They won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now. Even as the tears fall down. Is that the only scars in heaven? Are on the hands that hold you now. I know the road you walked was anything but easy. You picked up your share of scars along the way. But now you're standing in the sun. You fought your fight and the race is run. The pain is all a million miles away. The only scars in It won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now. Even as the tears fall down. Is that the only scars in Are on the hands and hold you now. Hallelujah. 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 For the hands that hold you now. There's not a day goes by that I don't see you. You live on in all the better parts of me Until I'm standing with you in the sun I'll fight this fight and this race I'll run Until I finally see what you can see Oh, the 
only stars in heaven. They won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only stars in heaven? Are mm. all my hands that hold you now? Thank you for the honor and privilege of being able to be here. Uh, it's an honor for me to, to uh, get to share with you on your homecoming Sunday. I grew up uh, as a preacher's grandkid, and I'm just telling you, uh, homecoming was my favorite Sunday of the year uh, because that was when I got to taste everybody's grandma's country cooking. And uh, I'm going to tell you something about country cooks. Y'all cannot be beat. I'm, I'm in, a, in an area now that's more suburban, a little bit more uh, toward Charlotte, a little bit larger area, and, uh, and, and no offense to those ladies because I love them. I love them with my whole heart, but they can't match good country cooking. <laughs> and uh, in fact, brother, we're going to cater our homecoming meal next month uh, just because we want to give those ladies a break. Uh, we want to try to help folks out a little bit, and, uh, but we love good country cooking. If you have your Bibles, would you join with me this morning in the book of John, chapter number 13? The book of John, chapter number 13. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to keep your Bible open because we're going to be looking at a couple of other passages there in the same book, book of John. But we're going to begin in chapter 13. Uh, today may be a little bit different than what you're probably uh, accustomed to. I, I generally like to do a a verse-by-verse type of message. That's kind of my wheelhouse where God has uh, called me. But today God wants me to share with something a little different with you. And my prayer is that it's going to be an encouragement to you. Uh, that it's going to be a challenge to you. That when you walk out of here today, uh, that you will have been called to a, a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because today I want to introduce you to the disciple whom Jesus loved. We're going to find this place where we're going to kick off here in chapter 13, beginning in verse number 21. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Translation of Scripture, so I hope you'll follow along with me in the translation that you have in front of you. But here's what the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 21. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was, he was talking about. And there was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel and 
took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be in this house of worship. And Lord, we come to You today acknowledging that we need You. Lord, we need to hear Your voice. We need to feel Your touch. We need that fresh Word from heaven that encourages us, that challenges us, that calls us. So Lord, today how I pray that You speak to us in a mighty way. I pray, God, that You take this earthen vessel, this vessel of clay, that You empty it of anything and everything that would hinder the preaching of Your Word. And that today, Lord, this vessel be filled with the Holy Spirit. That through these lips of clay may come, thus saith the Lord. And that it may speak to our hearts as we seek to know You better. Guide us in our time of study is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful title? The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved. Man, I want to tell you, if, there's a lot of titles out there that, that we wear. We might wear supervisor or manager. Uh, some of my favorites are, are dad. I like dad. Uh, but I want to tell you, as of late, I really like grandpa. I, I like that one. And uh, I don't know if you, any of you are, grand, are grandparents. You know what I'm talking about. You love your kids. But there's nothing like those grandbabies. I like being called husband. I like being called pastor. A lot of titles that you and I may wear in our daily life. But man, what a title. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Wouldn't that be awesome if that's what you were known as? When people thought of your name, when your face came into their mind, the one thing they thought of is that's the disciple whom Jesus loves. Now, here's what I want us to understand about that. It does not mean that Jesus only loved John. Let's be clear on that. We, we know for a fact, if we've read the Scriptures and we've studied the Scriptures, is that Jesus loves each of us Equally, There's, He has no favorites. There are no teacher's pets. There, are, there aren't those that He favors more than others. When He died on the cross of Calvary, He died for every single one of us the same. The same blood, the same cross, the same empty tomb is the same way that all of us come to know Christ as Savior. So it does not mean... That Jesus loved only John. And it does not mean that Jesus loved John more than all the others. So, let's, let's be clear on the title. In fact, if you read the Gospel of John, John never calls himself by his, his first name. He always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is not what Jesus is calling him. This is John saying, I'm a disciple and I know Jesus loves me. I can call myself, of all things, a disciple whom Jesus loves. Now, if you're a born-again Christian and you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you too can be called a disciple whom Jesus loves. But today, what I want to look at is how John chose to 
take what it meant to be a disciple and he took it a little bit farther than some of the other disciples chose to do. One of the things that over the years, I will confess, uh, has frustrated me, Brother Rodney, is that I would try to start things in our church and, and they would go great for a short season and they would fizzle out. They'd go great for a short season and fizzle out. So I'd try again. They'd go straight, great for a short season and fizzle out. And in frustration, I found myself before God saying, well, Lord, I'm just not even going to try anymore. I'm just, I'm just tired of beating my head against that wall. I'm not even going to try anymore. And that's, that's easy for us to become down and discouraged, isn't it? But the Lord began to share something with me. He said, Tommy, you're asking people to do things on this level when they haven't grown past this level. And so one of the things God really began to pour into my heart over these last couple of years is the, the design and the desire of Christ for every believer to truly be a growing disciple. Not just be a believer. He's, he's so glad that you came to Him in faith and, and you trusted Him and you received that free gift. And he's, He is so glad that you did, but He wants... So much more for you. There's so much more He has for you. And, and, and unless we are growing in that relationship, unless we're cultivating that relationship, we're missing out on some of God's best. John chose to cultivate that kind of relationship. Now, there's, there's a couple of characteristics that I want to give to you of a Christian that chooses to cultivate that closer relationship. The first characteristic is simply this. They sit where others will not sit. That sounds odd, doesn't it? They sit where others do not sit. But twice in this passage that we read, it tells us that John rested his head on the bosom, the the chest, if you will, the breast of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you realize, now those of you that are married, I'm sure you do, do you realize how close you have to sit to rest your head on someone's chest? You all but have to climb in their lap if you want to do that. But look where John is sitting. All the disciples are present. All twelve of them are around that table. Any one of them could have sat anywhere along the table that they had chosen to sit But only one chose to sit so close to Jesus that he could rest his head on his bosom. You see, that's the fellowship Christ wants you and I to have with Him on a daily basis. That's what He wants for us. He wants us to to slide down the bench a little bit. To, to ease down the pew a little bit. Get a little bit closer to Him. He, would, he, he loves it when you sit in His lap. He just loves it when you just climb up in His lap and just, and just lay your head upon His bosom and, and you cultivate such a relationship that you feel so close to Christ that you can literally lay your head on His breast. Think for just a moment what it was like for John. Sitting there. I want you to imagine for just a second. 
If, if he laid his head on Jesus' chest, every time Jesus' heart beat, it echoed in the ear of John. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, guess whose heart was in the heart of Jesus? He was hearing the heart of God beat. Every time Jesus' heart would beat, it would echo through the, the ear canal of John and enter into Him. He was able to hear the heartbeat of God because He was so close. Oh, there's something else about laying your head on the bosom of Jesus. Did you, did you know you can't talk without exhaling air? I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Daniel's taught y'all that, haven't you? You've got to sing from somewhere down here and push it out there. You can't do it. You put your hand in front of your face and you just start talking normally, you're going to feel your breath press against the palm of your hand. Now, now, take, stay with me. John is laying his head on the breast of Jesus. Jesus begins to speak. Guess what washes over John? The breath of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That every time Jesus would exhale, every time Jesus would speak, the very breath of God would wash over John. This is the this is the breath that said, let there be light. And, and things begin to, to form out of nothing. This is the breath that said, let there be and there was. It's washing over John. You see, here's the thing about disciples that choose to cultivate a closer relationship with Christ is that they will sit where others will not sit. They will... They will go the extra mile. They will, they will, they will be, they will be faithful in the things that maybe others aren't as faithful in. They love spending time in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Did you know you can go beyond Sunday morning? Did you know you can do that? You can. Oh, it's great to come in here and sing and, and, and what beautiful music you guys have have presented this morning. It's great to fellowship and, and, and it was warm fellowship when we were able to, to do that together. Oh man, it's, it's great to get together and eat together and have a meal together and, and things like that. But did you know you can go beyond Sunday morning? Did you know you can be a, a disciple on Monday too? Did you, did you realize that you can walk just as close to Jesus on a Thursday as you can on a Sunday? That's what He wants. No signs around Jesus. He didn't put up no. He didn't put up any signs that said you can't sit here. They weren't social distancing. There were no every other seat kind of layout. Anyone could have sat in that seat. John chose to sit in that seat. Those who cultivate that relationship will sit where others do not sit. But then, look with me in in chapter nineteen of John. Just a couple pages over. Chapter 19. Let's read and start reading in verse 25. Jesus is now on the cross. He has been falsely accused. He's been beaten beyond recognition. He has been humiliated. 
In every way you can be humiliated, He's taking upon Himself the shame and the guilt of the world. He's hanging on the cross. Verse 25 of chapter 19 says, Therefore the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister Mary and the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, Behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. So, so you see, a disciple that really wants to grow closer to Christ will sit where others do not sit. And when they sit where others do not stand and uh, sit, then they can stand where others do not stand. Do you see what's happening here? He sat where others would not sit. And now as the cross is being erected, as the nails have been driven, there's no other disciples around. You can't find them. They've scattered to the four winds. Each one fearing for their own life. All but one. All but one. And guess who it is? It is the disciple who sat in Jesus' lap because he sat where others would not sit. Now he can stand where others cannot stand. Jesus is dying for the sins of the world. But the one thing that we have seen and the Gospel declares is that the closer Jesus got to Calvary, the fewer disciples were around Him. When He was feeding the 5,000, He had throngs that went with Him everywhere He went. When He was healing the sick, everybody was coming out of the woodworks to see Jesus, to be where He is, to stand as close to Him as they could stand. But now that He's hanging on a cross, there's only one disciple remaining. You see, here's what happens. When the heat is on, the Sunday morning only crowd vanish. In church terms, in preacher terms, we often use the term CEO. Christmas, Easter only attenders. They can't be found. Oh, I'm telling you when things get tough. When, when the heat is on. When, 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 when all of a sudden it's uphill. We're not coasting any longer. All the, it's not fun as it used to be suddenly. Those who sit at the farthest distance from Jesus, suddenly they can't be found. John could stand there because he had sat where others had not sat. He could stand by the cross of Jesus when everyone else left because he had sat in the lap of Jesus at the Last Supper. Folks, I want to tell you, we're learning in in this day and age that you better have some thick skin if you want to be a believer. Just a few Saturdays ago, I stood outside with a group of probably 100 to 125 people, about seven or eight from our church. We stood outside of an abortion clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina. By the way, it's the busiest abortion clinic in in the southeast. They do more 
abortions at that one clinic in Charlotte than they do in Miami, Florida, Tampa Bay, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, any other place in the southeast. And as we stood there, we didn't carry signs. We didn't go there to shout at people and condemn people. We didn't go there to, to humiliate those mothers. We didn't, we didn't go to there to scream hate at the people working there. We went there to pray. And that's all we did was pray. We'd stand on the sidewalk or right off of the sidewalk and we'd just stand there and we'd pray, Oh God, save these precious unborn children. Lord, be with those mothers in right there right now who, who out of fear and out of hopelessness have run to a place of death with their child. Lord, help that mother. If she goes through with this, Lord, she's going to need You to bring help and hope and restore her. Lord, be with that mother. Lord, those, those people in that clinic right now that are doing those procedures, they, they don't understand what they're doing. Lord, save them. Lord, open their eyes. Show them truth. That's what we were praying. But as we did, there were people all around us screaming and shouting, cursing us for being there, mocking everything we said, telling us that we needed to go back to our churches and be quiet. Folks, can I tell you something? If you're not sitting right, you can't stand right. If you're not sitting in the lap of Jesus, then you can't stand in the face of that kind of evil. You can't stand in that face in the face of darkness like that. We need believers that stand up for who they are and what they believe. We're not not here to condemn the world. We're here to tell the world how they can escape condemnation. We're not here to shout hate to those who don't think the way we do. We need believers who stand by the cross of Jesus and point to the cross and say, this is our hope. And this is our only hope. But you can't stand where others do not stand until you sit where others will not sit. There in that same passage of Scripture in chapter 19, we see one other characteristic. John sat where others would not sit. He stood where others would not stand. But I want you to see in verse 27 and 28 that he he served when others couldn't serve. Jesus is on the cross. Can you imagine the heart of that mother? Those of you that are moms, can you imagine the heart of that mother standing there looking up at that cross and that's your boy right there. That's the one you gave birth to. We know He's the Son of God. We understand that He is God incarnate. We understand that He is the the, the Messiah of the world and the Christ that has come to save us all. We understand that, but that's still her baby boy. That's still her son. And he has been beaten and bruised beyond recognition. He's been falsely accused and now dying on an old rugged cross. Jesus, looking down from His cross, sees this precious woman who God has used to bring the Messiah into the world. And as a, as a Messiah, He loved every person in that crowd. Please don't hear me wrong. Every Roman soldier, every 
cursing Pharisee, every mocking person. He loved every person in that crowd. But you know what? The human side of Jesus said, that's still my mom. That's still my mother. And I love her. And when Jesus had a task that was special, someone needs to take care of mom. Guess who he gave that task to? John, behold your mother. I want you to love her, John, as your own mother. Mom, here's John. Love him as your son. You see, there's something special taking place here that I don't want us to miss. Because John had sat where others would not sit. Now he was standing where others would not stand. Now he's getting to serve where no one else gets to serve. Not another disciple anywhere. Listen, Mary did not go home that day with Matthew or Peter or even with her own earthly children. She went home with the disciple whom Jesus loved. Man, the significance of that is amazing. That when Jesus said, I've got a job that requires faithfulness. I've got a job that requires dependability. I've got a task that I can only put to my most trustworthy and most faithful. And He gave it to John. Wow. You see, in church a lot of times, I hear people say things like, well, you know, God's really never called me to do that, but I'd like to do that. And and sometimes, and I can't say this out loud, Brother Rodney, because I know I'll get myself in trouble. But I usually think, if you were sitting right and standing right, you'd get to serve where others don't serve. You see, folks, a lot of times the reason we aren't called and given a great task is because we're not sitting right and standing right. And we're wondering why God's not using us. We're sitting at the end of the table. We're staying at, a, at, at, at arm's length. We're keeping our distance from Him. We're not cultivating that close, loving relationship that He wants with us. We're not, we're, we're not, we're not working to, to get any closer to Him. We're not trying to get any closer to Him. And let's just be honest, we don't want to get any closer to Him. And we wonder why He's not just pouring His presence out on our life. We can't serve Him. Because we're not standing and sitting right. There's an old saying, if you're too big for the small ministry in the church, then you're too small for the big ministry in the church. Can I tell you who my my heroes are? At First Baptist Locust, and I tell them this. You know who my heroes are? The nursery workers. They're my heroes. Because they take their turn and they don't get to sit with their families in the worship service. They don't get to enjoy singing the songs that like others sing. And they're down in the, in the nursery and they're changing those smelly diapers and they're, they're, they're cleaning up that spit up and they're trying to get that crying baby to stop crying and, and they are pouring out their heart for that child on a Sunday morning. 
And you know what? I think if there is such a thing that when we get to heaven and there's a front of the line, I think Jesus is going to call the nursery workers to the front. (laughs) If you don't sit right, you can't stand right, then you can't serve right. You see, you've got to sit where others won't sit. You've got to stand where others don't stand. You get to serve where others don't serve. I'm getting hungry. Can we finish up? i got one more. And you'll have to go to John chapter 21 for me. John chapter 21. That horrible day of crucifixion has come to an end. Jesus has breathed His last. He's been placed in a borrowed tomb. Three days have passed. And now the It's been reported the tomb is empty. In chapter 21, verse number 1, After these things, Jesus manifested again to the disciples, Himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And He manifested Himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, of which John is one, and two others of his disciples were together, and Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Amen, Simon, let's do that. And they said to him, We'll come with you. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, You don't have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they cast the net. And they weren't able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Don't miss verse 7. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord! And he put put off his outer garment and put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So here's the way I want to close. You see, if you sit where others don't sit, you get to stand where others don't stand. You get to serve where others don't serve. But don't miss this. You'll see what others can't see. They went fishing, gave up on preaching. Things just weren't going like they thought it would. They had caught nothing. Jesus is standing on the shore, calling for them to cast on the other side. And they didn't really recognize His voice that much. They couldn't really make out the figure from the distance. And, and, they, and they weren't really looking for Him, if you want to know the truth. But of all the people in the boat, one recognized His voice. When Jesus began to call out to them, I think the Scripture, if we're not careful, can, can, can help us think that maybe John just said, it's the Lord. That's not what he said. <laughs> That's not what he said. In fact, just the opposite. I, I believe he, he, he got excited. And he, he, That's the Lord! What else would propel a grown man in 
jump in the water and swim the shore when he was in a perfectly good boat. He got excited. We got a little pup at the house, and, and she's, she's still just all pup, but when she gets excited, she dances. Do y'all have a dog that does that? I mean, she dances. She dances because she's excited. I believe John was dancing in the boat. I, I believe he, he just couldn't be still. He couldn't be still. I, I, what, what, what am I going to do? That's, that's Jesus. I got, I got to get to him. I got to get to Jesus. How do I get to Jesus? Oh, shortest distance between two points. Straight line. I'm jumping in the water. See, <laughs> John knew Jesus when the others didn't recognize his voice. He saw Jesus when the others were just trying to focus their eyes. And by the way, when God chose to reveal the last days, when God said, I want to, I've got to find me a servant that I can describe heaven to. I want to bring him, I want to give him a glimpse of it. I want to find me that one disciple that I can, I can, I can give him a, a grand tour of heaven. Guess who he chose? John. The revelator. You see, he sat where others did not sit. He stood where others did not stand. He served when others didn't serve. Now he can see what others cannot see. You see, have you ever ever been in church? And it seemed like everybody around you was just, maybe there was tears in their eyes. Maybe they were raising their hand in worship. Maybe there was just this extra big smile on their face while they were singing these beautiful songs. And you're going, what's wrong with these people? I'm not feeling that today. Maybe they're seeing something you don't see. Because they sat where you didn't sit. And they stood where you didn't stand. And they served where you don't serve. So now they can see what you don't see. So here's my encouragement to you today. There's there's no signs up. Jesus wants you to be as close to Him as you will get. But it's your choice. So here's my challenge to you today. If you don't know Jesus, first of all, let me tell you something that I probably most of what I said today just didn't make a whole lot of sense to you. Sounded foreign to you. First, I want to invite you to come to know Jesus personally. If you're a believer, can I ask you something? How how's your walk with Christ? Where are you sitting at that table? Where are, you, where are you sitting? Are you down at the end somewhere? Or are you sliding down the are you sliding down the road a little bit, getting a little bit closer to Jesus every day? Or maybe you're that disciple man you are you've crawled up in his lap. Today you can get as close as you want to get. And he will welcome you when you do. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation. Brother Rodney's going to be right here at the front to receive you if you want to come and pray, if you want to come and, and, and him counsel you or pray with you, whatever it may be, he's, he's going to be right here. But I want to encourage you today to move a little closer. Start at the beginning. Get your sitting right. Don't don't start with the standing. Don't don't start with the serving. Start with the sitting. And get your sitting. Let's pray, Father.
I thank You that more than anything else, You want us to cultivate with You that love relationship. Lord, You already love us with the fullness of Your love. Lord Jesus, You've already demonstrated the great love of God toward us and that while we were yet sinners, You died for us. But Lord, there's some today that may be in this room that are trying to trying to sit at the end of the table. They, they trust You. They, they believe in You. They've surrendered their life to You. They know they're going to heaven when they die. But Lord, there's just not that relationship there. They're trying, to, they're trying to get into heaven sitting at the end of the row when you want them sitting in your lap. I pray, Lord, that today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will call us closer to you. That we'll not be content at the distance between ourselves and you. And that today will be the day we move closer. Lord, get our... Help us to sit right today so that we can stand right tomorrow and serve right the next day and see what others cannot see. Lord, we love You and we praise You. Call us to Yourself now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.